Good morning, I'm Mike Overstreet, a pastor here at Element 3 Church. And I actually wanna to begin today by talking about a movie that made me weep like a baby. See, I don't often cry at movies, but when I do, I can guarantee you it's at a Pixar movie. One of my favorites is actually this movie, Inside Out, and this movie wrecked me. It's a movie about what goes on in our internal and emotional worlds, how these five emotions essentially run the control room of our lives behind the scenes. We've got joy, fear, anger, disgust, sadness. And this movie is just great. I actually want to roll a clip from it so we can get this film on our minds before we go any farther. School was great, all right? What was that? I thought you said we were gonna act casual. Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. All right, make a show of force. I don't wanna have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, old no, man. No, 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 breathe. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. DEFCON 2. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Yeah, well, look. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. The foot is down. The foot is down. Yeah! Woo! Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. I love this movie. It's a really funny vision of our emotions and what it's like to be inside the mind of a human being. One that's hilarious, but also relatable. Cause I mean, if we're being honest, it hits a little too close to home at times. But what I really love about this film is how the central metaphor of these emotions inside of our mind builds as the movie progresses. You see, I won't spoil it, but it increasingly becomes a movie about the complexity of our internal world as we grow up, how our life experiences end up shaping us internally and emotionally, and thus shaping how we engage our world, how we change from the inside out. You see, the movie does a great job of showing how the simplicity of our internal and emotional worlds as children eventually becomes incapable of dealing with the complexity of our lives. We start out with such simplicity, don't we? Joy is all we want to feel. Disgust only comes around to shoo away broccoli. Anger, when we don't get what we want or when the toy gets taken from us. Fear, when we fall down and never, ever, ever, ever sadness. That's what it means to be a kid. But then what happens? Well, then the real complex life comes about. We experience things like trauma, hurt, wounds, loss, and we have to learn to deal with them and feel these feelings in places in ways that we've never had to before. Joy sometimes leaves us for a season. Sadness and fear suddenly can't be avoided. They're not kept to concrete things in front of us. Anger and disgust start getting attached to more and more things. And in that, the movie captures this universal part of our human experience. In that journey of learning to feel and navigate through complexity in our lives, we all develop patterns 
for which emotions drive our internal worlds. It's like what we saw in that clip. Experiences shake us up and we learn to let certain emotions just take the wheel, just drive the ship. We experience something big and complex and what happens? One of those emotions takes charge and it actually works. We joy, it lets us feel good after losing it. We turn to anger and it actually prevents us from being hurt. Or fear keeps us from danger, disgust from you know, eating broccoli. Sadness helps us in that moment, just let it all out. They work in this particular hard, complex situation and they help us. So what do we learn from that? Well, we learn to start and to keep going back to them. They just become what we naturally steer to when things get rough. But here's the thing. You see, if you do this over and over again, what happens is it starts getting easier to turn to them. We get used to them taking charge and directing our behavior to the point that they stop being confined to that initial thing that brought them out and they start just becoming the internal filters through which we experience our world. We start having them take charge without us even being aware that they are. And this is a problem. You see, each of these emotions is good when used appropriately in the right spaces. But if we feed only one of them over and over again, regardless of the situation, regardless of the situation's complexity, if we just start developing that pathway that lets it take charge easier and easier, well, we suddenly stop being able to choose when it takes over. It begins to take over at times when it's not actually needed. And then when that happens, watch out. We've all been there, right? That moment when you have an emotion that is not appropriate to a situation, and it just takes over. Suddenly you're afraid, suddenly you're angry, and you don't know why. This is just a natural part of being a human being. And thus, to grow and to mature, we have to learn how to be aware of the emotions and the desires we've given free reign to, to control and drive our lives. We have to learn to identify, intercept, and remove them as constant filters for our lives so they can go back to just being appropriate to specific situations where they belong so we can learn to actually live in and respond to reality as it actually is, not through those emotional filters that we've developed so we can learn to be human beings living healthily from the inside out. And that is what we will explore in week three of our series, Just Be, where we are taking this season to explore time-tested spiritual practices and disciplines that teach us to experience Key aspects of spirituality, things like presence, peace, hope, love in our daily lives. We learn to find them over and over again in our daily lives through these practices so we can grow to just be them in every season of our lives. But we are exploring these practices through a paradox baked into spirituality. You see, to get to where we can just be things like present, peaceful, hopeful, loving, well, we actually have to commit and to practice new kinds of trying and doing first. We actually have to try and do so we can stop trying and stop doing and learn to just be what we practice in every moment of our lives. It's this journey that we are calling the move from human doing 
to human being. And this week, we are going to look at what it means to just be aware, to be aware of which emotions drive our internal world so we can identify, intercept, and change them. A process that is crucial for real transformation and growth in our lives. And to explore this, I actually want to look at one of my favorite scriptures from the book of Ephesians. It's this letter in the New Testament written by this guy, Paul, one of the earliest church leaders. And Ephesians is actually a really dense book for about half of it. It's Paul teaching this young church in the city of Ephesus about the cosmic implications of the Christ story. But in chapter four, what we find is that Paul takes this turn and starts getting really practical. You see, he begins focusing on what Christ's story means for our growth here and now. His understanding of the goal of the Christian life and the work it takes to achieve it. And I want to start at the end of this section of the text and then work our way back through it because the end sets the direction for where we're going today. It ends in Ephesians 4, 24, where we read that Paul writes that we are called to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this brief sentence sets the direction of the passage and our focus today. It contains a profound vision for the goal of the Christian life. You see, the word self here is actually better translated as humanity. So what's Paul getting at? Paul says the goal of our growth is to learn to put on a new way of being human beings. And look at how he describes it in this text. He says, it's his way of being a human being that is created to be like God, reflective of God's character in the world and it's true righteousness and holiness. And these are fascinating words. What these words encompass is essentially good, right relationships, a healthy relational world that respects the dignity of God and other human beings. So what's the goal of growth in the Christian life, according to Paul? Well, it's to learn to put on this new way of being human that reflects God's character and the quality and health of our relationships. Keep that goal in mind. And now let's see how Paul builds to this goal. We go back to the beginning of the section in verse 17. We read, Paul says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from life with God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So Paul begins, he says, remember how you used to be before you began your journey of growth in Christ. He says, at one point, we all used to be people who were unaware, a person ignorant of the self with heart postures and attitudes that makes them blind to their internal brokenness and thus how it overflows through their behavior and hurts themselves and others around them. 
Am I the only one who's been there before, who has some brokenness that I'm not seeing? And Paul nails it. It makes us callous. It makes us overflow onto others and how we cause wounds. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel attacked when I read things like that. But then Paul uses this to start laying out this process of transformation that is just profound. He says, remember, but use that to commit to something new. Use that to commit to rigorous self-reflection of who you used to be, who you are now, and who you are becoming. Paul says, use Christ's story, his way of being human to reflect on and filter your whole self through. And look at why. He continues on in verse 22. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and then to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul says this self-reflection will produce three crucial things. First, we will learn to put off our old self or our old way of being a human being, which is being corrupted or broken down by its deceitful desires. What Paul is getting at here is that we will somehow cast off the parts of us that are driven by wants and emotions that trick us into thinking that they are good in a given moment, but really are doing us harm. We will grow to see and deconstruct these harmful patterns that used to define the way we were human beings in the world, our old self. And look at what he says, as we become more aware of these, as we can deconstruct this old self, what will happen? We will begin to be made new in the attitudes of our mind. Paul says our internal world will start getting remade new as we do this work, building to the goal that we started with so we can put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, becoming a new kind of human being that reflects God's character more in the world and can actually live in right relationships with other people, allowing Christ to deconstruct who we were so we can be remade new into our truest self, a truer reflection of him. I mean, this passage just holds a beautiful vision of growth for me. It's why it captured my imagination, but it's also so convicting. You see, it's Paul's conviction and my own that life is an inside job that we live from the inside out, that our behavior fundamentally flows out of the health of our internal world and the patterns that we hold there. A world that without intentional work, we more often than not are painfully and disastrously unaware of. See, inside out, Paul, they get this. It's very intuitive. It's just part of being human. We develop those patterns of emotions and responses that kept us safe in the midst of crisis at one point in our life. Patterns and emotions and, and responses that once the real danger and trauma is gone can just become deceptive 
can just become baggage. One of my favorite authors called these things little soldiers. He described them as soldiers that we trained through these hard experiences to protect us in times of war. Seasons of hurt, fear, pain, danger. We created these little soldiers in us and we taught them to fight, to keep us safe, to help us get through it. And they did. That's why we fed them. That's why we developed them. But the problem is that the little soldiers can't tell when the war is done and they don't know how to live in peacetime. They've only been trained to do one task, identify danger, shoot, protect. So what happens? Anything that comes along that feels like that old danger that created them makes the little soldier come out firing, thinking it's protecting me. I've got you, fam. And it just ends up making a mess because we're not in the war anymore. It's any time our emotional response is way outside what the reality of a situation calls for. That's when the little soldier is firing. You know, for me, it shows up the most in my life through humor and anger. You see, I learned very young to handle fear through distraction, making people laugh, making people look at something else, or through anger. I would get angry, I would scare them back, and I would take back control of the situation. Those are how I learned to respond to that fear emotion. And they worked great as a kid with simple problems and simple fears. They protected me, they kept me safe until they didn't. Until I grew up and I suddenly had complex fears inside myself, my depression. And that little soldier named Humor, he, he knew I was afraid of what was going on in my mind. So he tried to protect me by distracting like he was trained to. But now I actually needed other people's help. I actually needed other people to see me and he was just helping me hide. So I'd make jokes and never actually get help for what was going on. And it just made a mess of my life. And the same is true with anger. You see, simple fears gave way to complex emotional ones. I wasn't afraid of someone yelling at me anymore. I was afraid of abandonment, my own insecurity, loss. And I would feel these fears and that little soldier named Anger would come out trying to protect me. He would come out swinging and I would just blow up for no apparent reason. And this cost me a lot in my relational world. We all have these without intentional work. We build them and they direct our lives. At some point, we must learn to decommission the little soldiers. We thank them for protecting us, for getting us this far, for keeping us safe in the hardest moments of our life. But then we must learn to ask them to relinquish their guns and pick up a new tool, identity, and purpose. Because the war is over and it's time for peace and who they were needs to change for us to live into that peace. I mean, Paul nails it. To live into our truer identity in Christ, we need to let these little soldiers go. To let Christ deconstruct that old self so we can put it off and put on our new one. One that truly lives like Christ did one that truly reflects our God living from the inside out, 
truly loving God and others as we are created to in here so we can behave accordingly out there. That's the goal. And it requires self-reflection, deconstruction, and remaking of who we are. We must be able to identify that old self so we can learn to take it off for a new and better one. To learn to truly see who we've been and who we are so we can let Christ transform who we are becoming. That's what it means to learn to just be aware. And to just be aware, to actually be able to do this without thought, to be able to know what's going on inside of us so we can live accordingly in the world where we have to do that thing we hate. We have to learn to practice awareness. We have to practice daily rigorous self-reflection that helps us learn to be aware of who we are in a given moment so we can become someone new. And I want to give you a practice. I want to get practical. I want to give you this practice that I've used for this kind of self-reflective work at multiple seasons of my life. It's called the daily examine. And it's an ancient practice of the Christian church. It's easy, it's fruitful, and it's always convicting though. It's very challenging. See, what you do is at the end of each day, you commit to going through five steps. And it usually takes me 10, 15 minutes to do this. And I'm just going to walk through these steps. First, what do you do? You acknowledge God's presence and ask for guidance. God, you are here. Light up what you want me to see about who I am. Second, you start by reviewing the day for gratitude. Just the last 24 hours, start with gratitude. What are you grateful for? What are some good things that happened that made you feel grateful? Be specific, walk through them, and thank God for each one. Just get into that posture of thanks. Third, and this is the hard part, review the day for shortcomings. Seek out anywhere that you felt short in terms of how you live inside here towards other people and with your God. Start with moments of high emotion, especially when your emotional responses internally far outweighed the reality of the situation. What happened? How did you respond? Why? I mean, I had to do this so much with my humor and my anger. Where did I make a joke because I was feeling afraid that actually hurt someone else? Where did I blow up over a small thing because of fear and I didn't know how to process it? What happened? Why did I respond the way I did? It helps us name those things. See how they come out deconstructed. And now what you do is you want to use a couple different questions though to help you reflect on this internal world. I just want to give you a few. Think about things like where did I feel joy today? Where did I feel anxious or trouble? Where did I feel like I was being confronted or opposed and that made me angry? Where did I feel stillness or peace or the presence of God throughout my day. And here's the key part. For each one, ask yourself, why did I feel those things? How did I respond to those situations? Why did I respond that way? Rigorous self-reflection on what's going on inside of you and how it created impact in our world. What went on in those moments? And usually at this point, I just try to journal about them. I try to write them down. 
So once you've reviewed the day for shortcomings, move to the fourth point. Choose one feature of the day, one of those things you name, just one. Don't try to think about all of them at once. You're just going to overwhelm yourself. Pick one and pray for it specifically and in detail. Pick one time you got angry or made that joke that you shouldn't have made and you've identified why and ask God simply, how can I grow in this area? What does being aware of this action teach me about myself? God, help me be more aware of this part of who I am. Help me make amends where I need to for how I behaved and help me grow to be more like you. And finally, fifth, to close, look forward to tomorrow. You've named it. You've become aware of it. You're resolved to face it. Now release it. Focus on what this new awareness can help you do better tomorrow. How can I do better? Who do I want to be tomorrow? How can I find God tomorrow? What is one step forward I can take tomorrow and the next day? And then you repeat. Each day, at the end of the day, you examine, you reflect, you name it, you release it. And this is what I've found. See, as I've practiced this kind of self-reflection, I begin to note reoccurring patterns. Certain things just pop up that I never really identified over and over again. And I begin to grow in my awareness of those patterns and the emotions that take over when I'm in them. And slowly what happens is I learn to identify them, catch them, intercept them, interrupt them, and transform how I respond to them entirely. I find a way to stop letting them drive my ship, to drive the control panel of my mind. I start changing how I live from the inside out. I begin over time to stop having to try to catch these familiar patterns of my old self. And I find that I just do something different because when I'm lucky, I learn to just be aware. And in that true self-awareness, I find start to take off those old things and I can choose this new self offered to me, my true self, that image of God and Christ in me that is the version of Mike that is so much better than any of the forms of Mike that I've ever made myself, that I could ever dream of making. I become someone new and that is good 